With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Ben Malice, one of our favourites on the overnight crowd, joins us. He's an NBA journalist and from the pick-and-roll AU, and he's here to talk some NBA and NBL on the overnight crowd. G'day, Ben. Hello, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Thanks for the time once again. Happy New Year to you, and uh, we've been waiting for it to happen, and it's here with the NBL being swamped with COVID, the Perth Wildcats with 10 positive cases we found out today. Yes, uh, happy New Year to you and the listeners, and a not-so-happy New Year for the Wildcats, because as you say, two-thirds of their playing roster has COVID, we heard today, and sounds like they're all doing okay, and there's nothing too drastic in terms of health situations for anyone involved but it just means that they're going to be parked down in lockdown for at least a week and their season's just on pause so again like you said it was inevitable this was going to happen obviously being over in Perth it seems like the Wildcats have been the last team to experience this given they've only recently gone east and it probably is a preview into how every Australian sport is going Mm. to look over the next 12 months but as far as the Wildcats are concerned, there's not much they can do other than just bunker down in the hotel over east and just ride this out until their players overcome COVID and they can get back on with their season. So that's that's where we're at at the moment, isn't it? Because the game versus the 36ers, which was originally scheduled for tonight, was already moved uh, to January 12th. And now that's been postponed again, as it's uh, to be seen how long the recovery may take for these players. Yeah, that's exactly it. We've seen it all over the world, whether it's the NBA or the EPL or every other different league, that unfortunately there's just no way of knowing when these teams are going to be back on the court. And that two-week window is generally um, something to aim for. But the ball gets just first and foremost, like every NBL team, just need to get their roster back healthy again. And then even once that happens, they're going to need a few days to regain some fitness and regain some cohesion and get their legs back under them. So it is a bit of a waiting game. And this is something we're seeing all around the league with Mm. multiple games being cancelled this weekend and over the past couple of weeks as well. So it seems like it's just going to be that month for the NBL that COVID unfortunately is going through the country and going through their teams. And it just means that we're going to be devoid of some local basketball over the next few weeks. Wildcats, as you say, not alone. Uh, Cairns, South East Melbourne and the Tasmanian Jumpers uh, squads also hit hard in recent days. Uh, fair to say the administrators uh, have their work cut out for them at the minute, don't they? Yeah, it's just absolute chaos. And the only silver lining, if there is one, and of course I hope everyone recovers from their bouts of COVID in the NBL, but if the wave of COVID goes through all of the teams and all of the franchises over the next month, then fingers crossed that means everyone can recover and that the back end of the season can continue uninterrupted. So it is a logistical nightmare. Obviously, with the borders opening up all around the country, it's going to make life easier to jam these games in at the back end of the season. 
but you're correct that I wouldn't want to be the man or the woman having to plan out the fixture at the moment because, like you just mentioned before with the Wildcat 36 of games, that's been moved three times and who knows whether that's even going to happen as scheduled now because, yes, it is just a logistical nightmare and the Excel spreadsheet must be very funky at the NBL headquarters. So all of that means just the one game this weekend on Sunday, the Bullets uh, versus the Breakers. It almost takes a back seat with all the other drama, doesn't it? It does, and based on ladder positions, it's a game that should be sliding to the back seat because the Breakers <laughs> are yet to win this season and the Bullets have been inconsistent. So there's a great chance for the Breakers to get their first win. And on the flip side, the Bullets would be seeing this game as one that they need to win if they want to sneak into the back end of the playoffs. So, look, if you want some local basketball, it's the best we've got this weekend. <laughs> and at least for Hoops fans, there's a game coming out of Brisbane to accompany all of the NBA action that we'll see this weekend. So who would you lean to, uh, the Bullets or the Breakers? Who's going to get the win? Yeah, given my uh, slander to the Breakers then, I think <laughs> we'll go with the Bullets until uh, we're proven otherwise and get. Yeah. Pulling for the breakers, but I just don't think that a win's on their radar anytime soon, unfortunately. All right, that's fair enough. Uh, there was a weird one during the week then. Uh, Melbourne United veteran Brad Newley, uh, he was traded to the New York Knicks. Uh, his NBA rights were involved in a three-team trade with the 36-year-old being sent to the Knicks. So what does this all mean? <laughs> uh, I think it means we've got a newly contender for the funniest Australian <laughs> sports story because... In the global basketball context, it really doesn't mean anything. What happened in the NBA is that the Knicks were involved in a trade where they were essentially shuffling back-end players of their rotation and back-end draft picks. And from almost a decade ago, they still hold the NBA rights to Brad Newley. And when a team holds your rights in the NBA, they're able to trade those rights, in air quotes, to another franchise to make a deal happen. And that's essentially what the Knicks did to get this deal over the line. So Brad Newley won't be going to the NBA <laughs> ever. Um, he's not going to be changing uniforms from Melbourne or hopping up in America anytime soon. But it was just a funny little story that popped up and some good social media banter. And Brad Newley actually did a very funny interview with The Athletic, a website out of the US, yeah. about waking up to his phone going off and getting all these messages and texts. So... To be honest, I hadn't thought of Brad Newley's name for a couple of years, and no. it was a funny little jolt from memory lane this morning. But again, uh, yeah, not going to mean an awful lot, but good to know that Brad Newley was once a short-time New York <laughs> member of the team uh, in a foregone NBA life. His uh, name's up on a wall somewhere, no doubt about that. As a uh, yeah, Knicks uh, veteran, I'm sure uh, all the Knicks heads are you know Bing Bong about uh, the great Brad Newley um, <laughs> as well. Just yeah, just an odd one, but uh, one of those intricacies of uh, such a large league as that. I think there was another player maybe out of Portland that uh, they had some draft rights to that was around in the league in the '80s or something like that. So it goes far back these uh, sort of situations. Yeah, it happens every now and again when a team essentially buys a draft pick from another team. Right. They sometimes throw in the rights to some foregone athlete that they once held the rights to to make the deal work and to meet the stringent NBA rules. This happens probably once or twice a year where names that, to be honest, not anyone in the NBA has probably even heard of get pushed into trades and <laughs> Brad Newley had the honour of being that man this week. Alrighty, so uh, let's. Uh, oh, sorry, one more on uh, Australian soil. Brian Gorgian won't uh, coach the Australian Boomers for the World Cup qualifiers against Chinese Taipei and Japan in February. And there's some news around today that former Wildcats coach Brad, uh, Rob Beveridge is uh, set to step in. 
Yeah, that's a very cool honour for Rob Beveridge. And as you said, um, Brian Gorgian can't make the World Cup qualifiers next month, given everything that's happening in the world and with his NBL team. And it's a great chance for Rob Beveridge to take over the reins for those qualifiers. Now, it must be said that the team we're going to be fielding for those qualifiers is going to be one of the weaker teams we've put forth in NBA, sorry, not an NBA context, a FIBA context for a while, given our NBA athletes won't be there and a lot of the high-profile NBA player, NBL players might not even be available. So it's really a case of all men on deck to just try to get these qualifiers played and get a good result for the nation. And it's cool, as I said, to see Rob Beveridge return to the Boomers setup. He's been an assistant with the national team uh, long before this year and he knows the program well. He knows most of the players that are going to be available for this selection. He would have had experience with either coaching or scouting. So it's actually a case of an appropriate man getting promoted, if you'd call it that, into the top role for a couple of games. And yeah, it'll just be a case of the Boomers doing their best to try to win these couple of games with a very weakened squad. Over to the NBA, Kyrie Irving has returned. He uh, sparked Brooklyn a little bit to their 129-121 win over Indiana. He had 22 points. Uh, he's ineligible to play games at home in New York City, and the uh, Nets changed their minds last month to uh, activate him, I guess, uh, to be able to take on some away games as well. Yeah, it's been a very interesting development to see Kyrie come back from his COVID absence and the Nets allowing him to play in road games. and. Obviously, the issue of the vaccine is a massive discussion that we can park for tonight because in a pure basketball context, he helps Brooklyn out so much. We saw in that game in Indiana that the Nets didn't really play a good game. Truth be told, they played a pretty sloppy and bad game. But at the end, Corey Irving was able to step up. He scored 10 of those points in the final six minutes. And he really gave the Nets that third dynamic all-star playmaker that they need if they want to be winning an NBA championship this year. So, And it also must be said that, again, parking all of the COVID discussions, Kyrie is an amazing basketballer to watch, and he's a really welcome addition to that net side. So it is going to be weird and funky seeing him play in road games, but not at home games. But Brooklyn honestly need the help at the moment because they've had massive absences with COVID ripping through their team. They're playing Kevin Durant too many minutes and they need to reduce the injury risk on him. And Corey offers them a chance to do that on the road. So anyone's guess is how long this is going to last for and whether Corey can avoid COVID or stick it out for the whole season. But while he's back in a uniform, the Nets are going to be a better side and they've got a better chance of winning any road game if he's there with them. It's a little bit different to a player returning from an injury layoff, but what about the effort to play 32 minutes after sitting out for that long? Yeah, it was akin to opening night for him, his first game of the season, being in January is one thing. But he's obviously been practicing and scrimmaging and working out even while he hasn't been playing NBA games. So he was in pretty good condition from what I saw in Indiana. Obviously, it was a bit rusty in terms of game shape and making his moves and playing with his new teammates. Someone like Penny Mills, Curry's never played with him before. So there's going to be a feeling out process getting comfortable. But in terms of his health and his fitness, Kyrie looked good. And as I said before, it's like the start of his preseason almost. So he, if he can just stay in the squad for a month, he should continue to get his legs under him and provide Brooklyn with that third all-star caliber player on road games throughout the season.
The Wizard of Oz, uh, Josh Giddy, have to ask you about his triple-double. Where does it rank as far as achievements by Aussies in the NBA uh, rank for you? It's impressive. I think Josh Giddy is obviously going to get compared to someone like Ben Simmons, who came along him a couple of years ago, and Ben obviously trailblazed, setting triple-doubles and winning Rookie of the Year and putting up massive stat lines. And it must be said that Simmons was doing that on a winning team as a rookie. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to compare Josh Giddy to Ben Simmons or anyone else that came before him. But it just must be said that what Giddy is doing is super impressive. We've said it routinely when we've spoken over the season that the OKC team is devoid of top-end talent, but they've got some plucky youngsters around Josh Giddy and they play hard every night. And we're really seeing promising signs from Giddy because he's starting to find his feet and get even more comfortable in the NBA setting. And obviously putting forth a massive triple-double is some evidence of that. But for mine, even more impressive are the games when he's not putting up the stat line and he's not having his shots fall and he's not playing his better games, I suppose. But he's still finding a way to impact winning games for an OKC team that is performing above the level of talent that it has. So it was cool to see him get that triple-double. Interestingly enough, he broke the Mallows record as an fellow <laughs> NBL player having the youngest triple-double in NBA, NBA history. Sorry. So it's impressive that we've got NBL youngsters transitioning to the NBA and doing it at a good level. And all going well for Josh Giddy. It's going to be the first of many, many triple-doubles as his career develops. He follows it up with a 14-point, uh, 15-rebound, 6-assist effort uh, against another team of young throwers in the Timberwolves. Uh, they had Anthony Edwards score 22 points and secure themselves a 98-90 to win. Impressive there for Minnesota, who have been battling their own bout of COVID over the past few weeks. They, probably like most of the NBA, haven't had their full team together since long before Christmas. So... For Minnesota, they're sitting at 18 and 20 around that 500 mark, which is a good effort for them. And they're going up against the Thunder again tomorrow morning. As far as the Thunder are concerned, again, just a good competitive game from them. And they're starting to just make sure the gap between their worst and their best is shrinking. Because OKC, as I just said, have one of the lower talent bases in the league. But they're competing with teams like Minnesota who are competing for the playoffs. So that's a good benchmark for OKC in this season, but it must be said that Minnesota expect internally anyway to make the playoffs this year and a playoff team should be beating the OKC Thunder every night. Jack Nowitzki's number 41 gets retired. It inspires Dallas to beat Golden State 99-82. to There was even some chat of Dirk coming back on a 10-day contract. <laughs> yeah, well, look, as I keep saying, if enough COVID goes around the NBA, he might be half a chance there. But <laughs> Seeing him rewarded for that long career in Dallas was, uh, again, just due reward for what probably is the greatest um, NBA career, definitely by a European player and maybe by a player born outside of America. His career was that amazing, spending 20-plus years in Dallas. And it was good to see him get his plaudits and really punctuate what was an amazing career. And it obviously inspired the Mavericks on that night as they were able to get past the Golden State Warriors and upset the best team in the league. So... A very cool night for Dallas, a very cool night for Dirk Nowitzki, and best of all, they got the win over what has been the best team in the NBA so far this season. Golden State with a couple of losses in a row. It's not as bad as it looks, though, with uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green uh, both missing via injury. Uh, they did lose to the Pelicans 101-96. to Brandon Ingram with 20, uh, 32 points uh, in the win. Uh, Zion Williamson is one we're looking forward to returning this season. It's become a bit of a saga of sorts now. Do you think that he'll be able to return at all this season? 
yeah, it is becoming a massive drama for what's been a drama all season, to be frank. And we see every time the Pelicans play a big-time game, there's just so much media attention around whether he's coming back. I was watching just earlier Charles Barkley's comments about Zion getting into shape and losing some weight. And the fact that Zion is away from the Pelicans doing his rehab um, yeah, in a different city away from the team's medical staff, that doesn't bode well for not just his short-term future this season, but his long-term sustainability in New Orleans. So with the Pelicans halfway through their season almost and the All-Star break approaching, it's going to be hard to see Zion play much basketball this season, if any at all. So I think we're all just left hoping that he can get his weight under control and get some fitness back. And maybe, just maybe, the Pelicans can fold him back into their team once they get past the All-Star break. But in what is his third NBA season, Zion remains just littered with injuries and questions. And it's a shame because he has so much talent and has shown in his small snippets of playtime that he can be a perennial all-star and maybe even MVP caliber player in the NBA. Mm. But like you just alluded to, no one knows whether he's going to be back on the court this season. And it's just left us all waiting and wanting more from Zion and again, hoping that he can make his way back onto the court and appear for the Pelicans this season. Kelly Oubre Jr., a man that uh, usually is more about uh, looking like a basketball player than actually being one, is having some sort of season at the moment. He hit a career high uh, nine of his team's 24 three-pointers. I mean, they only beat Detroit, but the scoreline was impressive as the Hornets continue rolling on this season, 140 to 111. Yeah, Charlotte has really just, I suppose, found their footing as a 500 team, a team that's around the fringes of the playoffs. And again, kind of like what we were saying before, about the Minnesota Timberwolves, Charlotte internally will be hoping to make the postseason and get into the top eight of the Eastern Conference. And they're currently sitting in eighth spot and they're giving themselves a chance to reach that playoff position as the season gets past the All-Star break. So Kelly Oubre has had a great season in Charlotte. He seemed to move around quite a bit over the course of his career, but he's shooting the three ball at a career-high clip this year. He's providing Lamella Ball and the rest of that young nucleus in Charlotte with a veteran player who can come in and shoot threes and play some defense. So a good win by Charlotte yesterday. They just need to keep trying to win games and really get to that 40 to 45 win mark and put themselves in position to make the playoffs for the first time in a few years. The Spurs dig deep and uh, get Greg Popovich uh, a win in his 2000th NBA game with the same team uh, over the Boston Celtics, 99 to 97. That's some effort from an iconic and legendary coach, isn't it? Yeah, 2000 wins is a long time. He's been coaching about 25 years now in San Antonio. So it's amazing to see one coach in the NBA system for that long, let alone be coaching the same team for 25 years, winning five championships. And doing it all with one franchise. So an amazing effort for Greg Popovich to be around and really maintaining his form. Although it must be said, poor old Jeff Landau almost tried to give that game away yesterday. I don't know (laughs) if the listeners would have heard it, but go back and watch the last five seconds of that game. And Landau handed the ball to Boston on a platter and almost gave up the game-tying bucket as the buzzer drew. So the basketball gods were looking after Pop and Landau yesterday and the Spurs were able to escape with a very impressive win in Boston. Uh, Philly keep finding a way, this time against the Magic, 116-106. to 106. Are we any closer to a deal for one Ben Simmons? <laughs> the silver lining with the whole Ben Simmons drama is that the NBA trade deadline 
is 35 days away. So in five right. weeks, Count we will down. know for certain whether Simmons will be playing for a different team in the NBA this year or whether he's not going to be seen until November because if he doesn't get traded by the first week of February, he isn't coming back to the Sixers. He's made that much clear, which means we won't be seeing him in a new team and he can't be traded until the season begins next October. So we've got five weeks left. Obviously, the scuttlebutt is going to start really ramping up. I do expect him to get his trade and for the Sixers to cash him in over the next few weeks because they need the help. They've maintained their top five seeding, the Sixers, through a very, very um, limited team they've had during their COVID absences. And Joel Embiid has really been playing some of the best basketball of his life over the past month. And I don't think the Sixers are in position to be wasting a season where Embiid is healthy. So I still expect Simmons to get traded. Albeit, I think Daryl Moore is going to take it right down to the buzzer and we're not going to see the trade eventuate until the last day of the trade deadline. So we've got another month or so to make up some fake Ben Simmons trades, but <laughs> I do think that he is going to get moved and we should see Ben Simmons making his season debut post the All-Star break All in right. late February with another franchise. Okay, 35 days. We'll uh, start counting it down. Uh, the Knicks uh, not able to get the lead until there were just over two minutes left. They overcame a 24-point second-quarter deficit to get the win thanks to an RJ Barrett bank shot. So the bank was open as uh, they downed the Boston Celtics 108-105. to 105. Uh, A great game. Uh, really tense at the end there as well. Yeah, it was a great game, wasn't it? And you're right about RJ Barrett here. Jack Knife, the bank open at the end there, which what... <laughs> Must be said, was a very difficult, off-balance, ugly-looking shot. But it hit the glass and uh, banked in, and the Knicks could escape with a win. So, obviously, any time you fight back from 25 points down, that's a super impressive effort. And for a Knicks team that's been struggling between games at home this season, that could be the boost they need to start finding a rhythm and start making MSG a place that they're beneficial again and winning games. So, impressive for the Knicks. Equally disastrous for Boston, who continue to find ways to lose games and look like a team that is perennially underperforming their talent base. They did it last season following the Orlando bubble. And for all their promise and their two young superstars in Tatum and Brown, the Celtics continue to look like a team that's just unable of putting a four-quarter performance together. And the fact that they're three games under 500 halfway through the season is beyond disappointing for them. So credit the Knicks for fighting all the way back, but Boston did everything they could to lose that game in the second half. And thanks to the bank opening up, they did get that loss in the end. Just to finish off with in Memphis, Ja Morant with 22 points, nine rebounds, six assists. The Grizzlies get to a 118-88 victory over the Pistons, who are really copping it at the moment. It's their seventh straight win. Is there a hotter hand in the league at the minute? Ja's been amazing this season, and... Entering the year, I thought he was going to make his first All-Star game, win that Most Improved Player Award as someone that was taking a leap. But he's even blown past my expectations of him. And he's sitting here right now as arguably the second-best point guard in the NBA behind Steph Curry. He's had an amazing season in Memphis, and he's really establishing himself as that next hyper-athletic point guard, like in the mould of a Derrick Rose, a John Wall or Russell Westbrook. Morant seems to be the natural evolution of that type of player. Albeit, Morant's just general basketball IQ and floor vision um, is better than all three of those other players I just mentioned, which is quite scary for the league because <laughs> in his only his third season, Ja Morant is becoming one of the best players in the league. 
and for a Memphis team that's looking to follow the Milwaukee Bucks blueprint and build a championship team in a small market, they have their superstar in Jamal Morant, and he's more than just one of the best consistent players in the league. He's one of the best players in the league at the moment. So Jamal Morant's turning in an impressive season, and the squad around him in Memphis is a pleasant surprise as well as they sit fourth in the West. So mm. promising signs for the Grizzlies. And if they can keep Morant fit over the coming years, they should be competing for the conference finals before too long. Ben, love your work. Really appreciate the time once again on the Overnight Crowd. Have a great weekend, mate. Thanks, mate. Have a great weekend. Ben Malice, one of our favourites here on the Overnight Crowd. He's an NBA journalist and from the Pick and Roll AU and joining us on the Overnight Crowd to do some fantastic work around the NBL, which is uh, at the moment the League of Postponements with uh, only the one match coming up this Sunday in the NBL at the moment as uh, multiple teams go through a bit of an acute COVID situation. So you'll be able to check out the Bullets via the Breakers on Sunday. And then after that, we've got a couple of days up our sleeve where there's a chance we might get some postponed games uh, rescheduled. But we're most likely looking to Thursday for the next match in the NBL. But there is plenty of NBA across our screens to get involved in and to uh, get that basketball uh, itch scratch. That's what I'm finding at the very least as well. Let us know who your team is and uh, how they're going at the moment or how you find that they're going. I'd love to hear from you on the overnight crowd. 0433 98 11 16 or plenty of time for your calls. 1300 736 736. Let's talk it up on the SEN Airwaves. It's Paul Heath with you on this edition of the overnight crowd as we bravely head on in to the weekend on the overnight crowd. We'll be right back just after this. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.